Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm your host today, Jen, and I'm here with the author of an absolutely stunning little piece of, let's say, speculative fiction. I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on here, so we'll get into that. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Sure. Uh, I am S.L. Coney, um, but you can call me Coney or you can call me Shaw. I answer to both. Um, And uh, Wild Spaces is a novella. Uh, It's a coming of age story. It's often uh, compared to Robert McCammon's A Boy's Life. Um, So it is a coming of age story set on the coast of South Carolina um, that deals with um, family secrets and uh, generational trauma and uh, monsters because, you know, why not? <laughs> so, um, and it's also a boy and his dog story because uh, I feel like that is just a ta- time honored trope that, uh, you know, just is something that is near and dear to my heart. So, Mine too. And oh my gosh, that was just one of the many aspects of this that I found to be so touching. So, oh my gosh, this book just like, it it took me a day to read, but then it stayed with me for like weeks and weeks after, <laughs> which is just so lovely. But before we get into the book itself too much, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your journey to the book and, um, you know, you're maybe like, what you've done as a writer and what led you to this because I know that you've written some short fiction so could you talk a little bit about that path yeah absolutely um so I'm a little bit of a cliche and just that uh I'm one of these people that from the time I was we I wanted to um be a writer and so you know I would sit down at my mom's typewriter and just pretend like I was writing a book and I couldn't even type a word um and so started writing at a very young age um, and uh, kind of kept it as a hobby until I was in my doctoral program. Uh, I was in a doctoral program uh, for clinical psych and um, I love psychology. I love studying people and like understanding what makes people tick, um, but didn't have a lot of desire to kind of go into the clinical field and do kind of the treatment kind of aspect of things. Um, So ended up uh, deciding that uh, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to be a writer. Uh, So I ended up leaving my doctoral program and moving to a brand new city uh, with no idea of what I was going to do except be a writer. Um, And just started, I was lucky enough to be able to focus for a while just on writing. Um, And did that, met some really great writers uh, here in the area in St. Louis and uh, was able to um, join a writer's group and so just get some community um, and wrote some short fiction. So I have some short stories in um, like Gamut, uh, Best American Mystery Stories. So I started out in kind of the neo-noir genre, even though probably 
you know, most of what I read growing up was horror and speculative fiction, so science fiction, fantasy, that type of thing. Um, but when I started writing, that wasn't what came out. Uh, it took me a little bit to get there uh, as far as writing goes. And then, uh, so this particular story started out as a short story for a writing workshop with Richard Thomas, who um, it, uh, has Storyville, which is a, kind of like an online writing workshop um, uh, platform. Um, and uh, it quickly became apparent that it was a bigger story than uh, like 5,000 words. Um, it, uh, to go as deeply as I wanted to into the fi family dynamics and kind of really explore what was happening there, um, I knew it was going to have to expand. Um, so it kind of went through a series of rewrites um, where it just kind of grew. And I was like, okay, well, it's going to be a longer short story. And then it was like, no, this is definitely a novella. Um, so we uh, finished it up and got it to a point where I was happy with it um, in like, oh my goodness, 2020, 2022, 2021. It was during the pandemic. So everything kind of runs together, right? Um, so I uh, was very lucky, uh, you know, uh, told Richard um, that, you know, I thought I'd finally had it done. And he was like, okay, well, you know, I'll uh, get this out to Ellen, uh, Ellen Datlow, and Ellen, uh, lucky, lucky for me, Ellen loved it, and was like, you know, I think we're, you know, I'm going to uh, see if Tor is interested in it, um, and so they were, so here we are. <laughs> oh, I'm really interested in the fact that it started as a, a short story, because uh, something that impressed me so much when I was reading it is that it sort of balances this, um, like, narrative efficiency with um like a really sort of atmospheric um like vibey type feel you know like and I'm wondering like how do you achieve that like how do you sort of like in such a short text like how do you create so much atmosphere and balance that against like the movement of the plot if that makes sense it makes absolutely it makes absolute sense um one of the things that I love about the short form is that you have to be efficient to get across, you know, a, a good story for me, a good story has to have several elements. I have to have character depth. I have to have that journey and that change. But I also really love a good atmosphere. I love a good setting. Um, I like there to be subtext. So I'm, I'm, I'm a reader who really likes it all. And to do that in a short story, you really have to be very efficient and make sure that your sentences are doing more than one thing. Um, and so that is kind of one of the things that um, I strive for when I am writing short fiction is making sure that my sentences are not just doing one thing, that they are doing multiple things. So I'm giving information, I'm setting a mood or a tone, and I'm also like, uh, yeah, showing a little bit of character uh, as I'm doing it. So kind of like layering all of that information into one sentence um, is one way uh, that I do it. And then uh, I just tend to be a very, uh, I'm also a very visual person. So when I write, um, I am like, I'm seeing it 
and I'm also experiencing the wind in my hair. I'm, you know, feeling the salt on my skin. Uh, and I just try to really capture all of that on the page as well. So, um, so yeah, so it's a process and it takes many, many drafts and many, many rewrites of the same sentence to get it just where I want it to be. So. That's so interesting. Um, I'm also really interested in how, um, you know, so much of that I think is achieved through perspective too, because um, as you mentioned, like we are experiencing the story through, through the eyes of a small boy who is seeing a lot of things go on that he doesn't fully understand, you know, and sort of uh, we we sort of see things through his eyes <laughs> and are limited by, you know, what he can kind of process. Um, does your approach to writing the relationships, do you feel like that was, or the characters and the relationships, was that influenced by your background in psychology? Because for me, like the emotional dynamics between characters and especially like the sort of like the subtle things that happen in uh, like toxic family spaces all felt really real and subtle in the way that they often are, you know? Yes. Um, so, you know, I think one of the best things it's you know, it's really easy for me sometimes, I think, to think, oh, you know, why did I waste my uh, my college education on psychology? Because that's not what I'm doing. But I think that getting a degree in psychology was the one of the best things I ever did for my writing, um, because it's, I'm more interested less in kind of like you know, the things that I studied as, as far as like clinical psychology. So like, um, uh, and more interested in like relationships and how we interact with each other and how um, family systems in particular interact. Um, and so um, very much influenced by psychology and just also just, um, watching people and and observing and um, thinking about things. Um, I'm very, uh, I try very hard, both in my day-to-day -day life and in my writing life to try and think about what an experience might be like from a different point of view. Um, and so um, looking at all of the factors that play into that, and it can be difficult, especially if you're writing from a point of view that you've never experienced yourself, like to really take into account all of those factors. Um, but I think I tend to lean into the the psychology of it a little bit because I do have a little more knowledge there um, than I do others, but um, just trying to be open-minded and, and write with empathy. Um, so um, I very much wanted to capture especially the confusion um, that the boy feels as things start to unfold and things are happening around him that he did not understand um, and had no context for. Um, and so I really wanted to explore what was on the page, but even more so what's not on the page, um, because that is how the boy is experiencing things. There are things that are not on the page for him. Um, and so he's just kind of left with these gaps. Yeah, the, the gaps are like where a lot of the um, the horror happens, you know, because there are some sort of horror elements. There are scary things that are happening around the boy that he doesn't quite understand that 
you know, we don't either. Like it's, <laughs> that is like sort of the nature of Eldridge things. Um, and, um, you know, so when you are crafting that, like explaining something that is unexplainable from the point of view of a child who has like a limited understanding of an event or of what they're seeing, um, mm-hmm. like how do you decide what to show and what to reveal? Like, what do you put on the page and what do you leave to the imagination? Um, So it really depends on what aspect I think we're talking about when it comes to what's on the page and what's uh, not. So when it comes to, um, when it comes to what he's experiencing and what he's seeing, then um, it's pretty just, it's pretty much about staying within the point of view, right? Um, and, and making sure that you are not putting information on the page that's in your head that would not be in the boy's, you know, perspective. Um, as far as like the subtext and as far as deciding what gets left on the page and what gets taken off, a lot of that is gut instinct, um, you know, writing something. And, you know, when you write a draft, it might be like, you're putting everything on the page because you're telling yourself the story and then going back through and going, Oh wait, no, this needs to be off. This is not what I, what I want to tell. I want to leave this up to the reader to wonder about or to try and understand, or there is a deeper meaning here that I need the reader to try and comprehend um, without telling them. Because if there's, if we leave room for the reader to, to think about it, and to grasp and understand it, then that understanding becomes deeper. Um, and so um, it, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of point of view. Um, and especially with this story, it is about what I want the reader to experience. I want the reader to experience this as the boy does. So the boy ends up not understanding. Like when he comes to a point, he starts to grasp certain things but there's a lot that he's left wondering about and that he'll never know because the history is lost um and so history and everything plays a very big part in this story and that history is lost to him and so the reader doesn't know it either because this is the story that was told through the boy um and so the reader also my hope was that the reader also kind of experienced this this loss of understanding um, that is experienced when we hold secrets and then we don't get that chance for understanding or have the context for understanding why these events happened or how they impact our lives. Um, And so it was really important to me to try and capture that, um, that experience. So um, that played a a really big role in this particular story. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, because, you know, as you were talking, it occurred to me that like, you know, we, we kind of tend to treat like these sort of like, you know, the horror of the unknown in a, in a sort of like um, supernatural horror sense, the same way that we kind of sometimes can treat like family trauma or toxic dynamics and that like, they tend to be things that we talk around, right? Like we don't talk about directly. And so the boy is not only limited by his perspective, but also by the fact that like, no one is talking about <laughs> what's happening in a real way. You know, <laughs> I think like, that is really like, where for me, so much of the dread comes from is just like the, the building pressure of things unspoken, you know? Yes. And, and just, um, you know, the, 
the um, the way that that can impact an individual, especially a young individual, right? Um, it is a very horrific thing. It can be a very horrific thing. The unknown is horrifying because we have no concept of it. So, um, and things that we don't understand scare us. Like that's just natural, that survival instinct, the things that we don't understand scare us. Um, so I think there is a lot of room for horror in these unknown spaces within our everyday lives. So, Yeah, especially for children, you know, because I think when I was driving to work today, thinking about this book, you know, and I was like driving under an overpass that I drive through like every day in my life. And it, it occurred to me, you know, like when I was five, I was terrified <laughs> of driving under this overpass, you know, because it was dark and I didn't know what was in there. And I'm not anymore, you know, because like now I've gone through it hundreds and hundreds of times and I've survived to tell the tale. So it's not that way. But also just the way that like as a kid, when you've experienced so little and you understand so little of what you're going through, like it was all just very, very poignant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was definitely, that was the goal. So it's nice to know that like I hit my goal. Sometimes you don't know. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because as I was working through this process and working through um, the novella and was going through edits with Ellen, um, you know, Ellen was like, um, can you tell me more here? And I was like, okay. And so then I had to think about where is my goal and what can I tell without that? And so I, you know, discussed it with her and was like, okay, I can go to this point and I think I'll be okay. Um, and maybe it'll give you additional context, but it won't spoil the effect that I'm going for. Um, so it was also just kind of this, this really invaluable process that I had with my editor in where, you know, um, I was able to talk through what I was looking for and okay, what I'm seeing in my mind and what I think is on the page, uh, you as the reader, is this actually what you're experiencing? Um, so it was a, a really, uh, really great working with Ellen because she helped me uh, to uh, really understand that, yes, I've, I've got the right thing here and I've got the right balance, so. Um. So one of the things I would love for you to talk a little bit more about too um, is perhaps let's say, um, you know, I guess how the, the horror elements relate to sort of like the emotional story that you're trying to tell, you know, because I think like horror often, you know, makes literal kind of like emotional truths and stuff like that and like frames it in a different way for us to look at. So can you talk a little bit about um I guess like, you know, the ways in which you imagine like the the presence of the grandfather, because uh, we haven't talked too much about him as a character yet, but um, you know, the way that family, this question is really incoherent, I apologize. <laughs> um, the ways in which, you know, like family systems destabilize and kids get affected by them without, um, you know, understanding fully. And that's something that I've said a lot so far is that he doesn't understand everything. But what's also going on is that like kids do actually understand more than we hope they will sometimes, you know? And so, yeah, how do you balance that like ooh, that you know how do you just capture that kid voice you know that's really hard to to you know get to again as an as an adult you know 
Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I'm wondering if we have two questions here. <laughs> um, one about the horror aspect and how that maybe can pertain to the emotional elements of the story. Right. Um, so let's start there. Um, I, when we are talking secrets, right? People hide secrets for the secrets for a reason, right? Um, and maybe they are not huge to other people, but to the person that is hiding that secret, it is a huge thing or it would not be kept a secret, right? Um, and so if the secret is big enough, it becomes a real source of anxiety and a source of worry um, and the fear of this secret becoming revealed can become a real sense of horror. Um, so I think that there's not only horror for the kid, but there's horror for the mother happening here as well, um, because she's hidden this thing from her family for, you know, all of these years. Um, and um, it, this is just like her nightmare come true that doesn't really have anything to do with monsters, but it's just her nightmare come true. Um, and then you have, you know, you have the body horror aspect that is happening in this book. Um, puberty can be scary if we stop and think about the changes that our body is going through. It's embarrassing. It can be, you know, think about um, when I think about like nat. I'm going to use this word. I don't know if this is a thing, but like natural body horror, right? Think about Stephen King's Carrie when she is in the bathroom and she starts her period and she doesn't understand what's happening. That's body horror, right? Like it's natural. It's something that we go through, but because of the stigma and the shame around it, it becomes this really horrific event for this character. And so these changes that we go through, if we don't understand them, can become sources of, of shame and horror and um, fear. Um, and embarrassment, you know, and all these kind of things. And so just taking that a step further and thinking about that horror element and that body changing kind of element into the monstrous um, realm, um, I think is a very natural thing to do um, and very uh, uh, lends itself very well to that kind of like that body horror. Um, and then also going back to the secrets. So you've got the secrets. Um, and again, you're dealing with the unknown. The boy is just kind of like, he's floundering. He's trying to figure out what's happening. Um, but anytime there's a secret, there's a chance for a reveal. And this reveal itself um, can be horrific. Um, and in this case, it is horrific. And so um, I think that that all of that just kind of plays into the like the instability and the doubt and the fear that is happening in this family right now. Mm. You're so right that there is horror for the mother, too, you know, because I think that one of the things that where I felt the most called out <laughs> by the story was that it's sort of like, you know, th there's this idea, I think, that is is maybe comforting in a weird way to people who are carrying those sorts of like secrets and burdens or trauma that like I can 
compartmentalize this thoroughly enough so that it doesn't affect the people around me, you know, and that's not really (laughs) what happens for this mother or for anyone. You know, you can try to compartmentalize that stuff as much as you want, but it's going, the people around you are going to sense it, you know, even if they don't really get the full entire story. And so, so much horror there too, just at the, the things that we do to protect ourselves and our family that, that do the opposite, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that plays into the, second part of the question which was i had it just a minute ago you said something oh, yeah recapturing that childhood perspective of like what not understanding things but also understanding more than people are giving you credit for and you know <laughs> you know and i think that um i think that that is something that i know i remember not necessarily not necessarily in traumatic or horrific way but the thing that i remember about being around the adults um, that I was around growing up is that they would talk about things in really oblique ways so that I would not understand. But like you said, kids have uh, a deeper understanding of what we think they do. And so even though they may not know the context, they're going to pick up something is wrong here. Um, something, and there's just the feeling, right? Um, I think we're so much more receptive to feelings as a kid. Um, we pick up on things emotionally that we don't, we, we tend to shut down maybe as we grow up. Um, but as kids, we're just kind of wide open. Um, you know, hopefully if, if we're, if we are in, uh, having a good childhood, um, we're, we're very open and receptive to things. And so all of this sort of, um, the way that adults talk and the way that they refuse to explain things when you ask questions, you know, you know that there is something hidden. Um, You may not know what that is. Um, And it's the same kind of instinct that we might experience now if we meet somebody and we're just like, oh, there's something about this person that gives me pause and we can't put our finger on what that is, but it's just something that's like, they make me uneasy, right? And so it's that same kind of intuition, which kind of, you know, goes back to our subconscious things that we just pick up on that we're not really aware that we're picking up on, um, but but we do. And so I think that that is uh, even more overactive as kids um, because we are trying to learn so much and figure so much out. So, yeah. Well- Thank you so much. This has been really lovely. And I've just done like this book was such a, a, a really lovely surprise for me. It, it like, oh gosh, like, again, I just like, I read it in a day and I just have not stopped thinking about it. So thank you for joining us and for, for, for talking to us. Thank you for having me. I uh, really enjoyed it and it was so nice to meet you. Thank you very much. All right, listeners, please pick up Wild Spaces. It's an absolutely absolutely stunningly little beautiful book and I really think that you will enjoy it so get it at your favorite library or independent bookstore wherever you like to get your books thank you so much for joining us it is now time to close this chapter it's time to close this chapter of turn the page join us for the next episode